0: Hey, girlies. Welcome to Crisis Twink, the podcast where we ring the alarm about cultural emergencies. Whether it's a flop album, an insane headline, a problematic fave, or just something that needs to be urgently discussed, or you'll die, We're going to revive it and make sure it gets the medical assistance it so desperately needs. My name is Drew Haskins, and I'm the only twin who can save a culture in crisis. Joining me today is dear friend Grace Smooth. Hi.
1: Hi. I'm so happy to be here today.
0: It is truly an honor. Um, A long time coming. I feel like it's a a meeting of the minds.
1: I'm so excited. We have a lot of stuff to cover, a lot of stuff in common, and you were basically my first friend in Chicago, so. Oh,
0: yeah. you were basically my first friend in Chicago, too. Yeah,
1: I mean, it was a little testy there when I crashed your date, um, like, very early. <laughs> <Right. on. laughs> um, but yes, I'm so, I feel like this is a long time coming, so I'm so happy to get a chance to talk with you today.
0: I, we have so much to cover, like, I so we I recorded the episode with our friend Allison earlier this week and I was lamenting how nothing really happens in the week between like Christmas and New Year's so like I was like what the fuck are we going to talk about today (laughs) (laughs) like there's like like we we manage but like it's. I feel like in the four days since recording that episode, the world has gone to hell in a hand basket, really. <laughs> so, like, I mean,
1: The world has shaken things up in the past couple of days. There have been breakups. There are, you know, lots of scandals. I, lots of culture has happened and I feel a little overwhelmed. So I'm glad that we're going to be able to unpack some stuff. Oh
0: yeah. Well, maybe we should just get into it because the Go Call the Governor, the game that I'm about to introduce. Of. The <laughs> topics today are really wild, actually. So I, I think we should just jump in. So okay. I'm going to present you with three cultural scenarios from recent and or ancient history. And by ancient history, I mean like three days ago. And you're going to decide whether or not the governor needs to be called. There are no wrong answers, but your choice is binary. Does the governor need to be called or not? All right. So let's do it. Okay. Big topic up first. Kanye West and Julia Fox from Uncut <laughs> Gems are dating. Just the I knew this time. was
1: going to be it.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: Yes, absolutely. This is a, this is a man in crisis. Mm -hmm. Like here he is out there professing his love for Kim being like, I want you back, come back to me. And then is down in Miami doing who knows what with the poor, sweet Julia Fox obviously it's a PR thing. So good for them. Like they're out to be recorded, but someone needs to save him from himself at this point.
0: Yeah. He's, he's definitely in a downward spiral. I was really put off. I mean, he's done a lot of off-putting behavior over the past five years, but I was really put off over the winter break Mm -hmm. seeing that he was either, either had moved in or was planning to move into the house directly across the street from Kim which could be like some sort of like co-parenting, like conscious uncoupley thing, but nothing about this uh, uncoupling has seemed particularly conscious so far. So, and he just is like, so stalkery. So I don't know.
1: He is no Gwyneth Paltrow. Like I, Mm -hmm. I, it's exactly, it seemed very stalkery to me. Like Kim, you know, strong, independent woman seems like she is ready to move on with her life. And then, you know he he goes and and does that it just feels like a, like a total infringement kind of on her space yeah. and yeah i really didn't like that and you know i mean obviously there's the girl julia but then the day after i think he was spotted with some other girls on his balcony too yeah so
0: i think he's been rotating through a series of four but <laughs> as the last thing i saw was that he and julia are now officially dating Whatever that means. And she last night gave, I I don't know how to describe it. She did like a blog post basically for Interview Magazine as told to the editor-in-chief about her date with Kanye, which is like she was like posting it on WordPress or something. I've never seen anything like it before. And there was a full photo shoot of him like making her dress up in his... Like, what is his thing with
1: making girls dress up like I, that is one of also his more problematic behaviors to yeah. me where he he people dress up how he wants them to dress he made kim completely redo her style yeah. Apparently he maybe did the same thing with Irina. I mean, who knows? They're also a slight non sequitur, but for living in LA, as long as I did, I didn't understand the concept of like blinds before. And oh, how. Yeah. I mean, you're, I, I think that you are very well versed in this, but the blinds have been kind of on this whole situation. And I, yeah, I, I, I mean, if they're actually in a relationship, I don't believe it, but you know,
0: no. I, I don't definitely know. don't believe, but like if there's kind of like the mirror verse version of Kim and mm-hmm. Pete, I think Kanye and Julia Fox is as close yeah. as we're going to get to like the other side of the pole. Like I really like her. I've loved her. Like Uncut Gems is one of my favorite movies of the past few years. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I follow, she's an incredible Instagram follow too. Like, <laughs> and she's been doing like cool New York stuff for close to 10 years now. So I'm kind of glad that he, he picked someone like cool, at least to do this right. stunt with. And yeah. someone who definitely gets the joke of it, I think. But- yeah. I
1: I'm think, sure. it, you know, on her end, it's a, a really strategic thing. I mean, she is now getting the name recognition. Like if you haven't seen Uncut Gems, I'm not actually even sure what else she's been in. You know, mm-hmm. like if you haven't seen that, now, you of course will know her name and she's going to be elevated. So, on her end, smart decision. Win win. Yeah. Yeah. Win win. Exactly. Um, but on his end, I'm not sure his ultimate goal here. And I think he's just kind of flailing. So, the governor needs to have a little bit of an intervention with him, in my opinion.
0: Yeah he I think he's perpetually in need of some sort of intervention which (laughs) sucks like it's it's hard to defend a lot of his behavior but I genuinely love him as an artist and I will always have like hold space for him and his pursuits for sure it's just it's hard to like I don't know at least this is like fun coverage not like too dark. sad
1: no exactly and I think he is probably the just best example of trying to and like needing to separate the art from their artist as we have like in modern kind of you know daily male pop culture like he is such a talented musician and designer and thinker but his personal behavior is really problematic yeah. and I think that it's a good conversation. We need to have it because there will always be problematic people who make amazing art. And we need to figure out like, as a society, how do we treat that? How do we deal with them? And yeah, I think, I think he can still make great music and, you know, could still do that stuff, but there should be some repercussions to his kind of general actions. Yeah.
0: And I do think like Kim leaving him was, the biggest consequence he's ever faced arguably like i don't think i think he's Mm going to be chasing the kim high for the rest of his life Mm -hmm. which is i think a maybe a dark rude thing to say but like i do like those two were meant for each other in a lot of ways and really kind of complement each other so well and i don't know i don't know where either of them really go from here but absolutely
1: and i mean this is a bit of a dark take but he produced his best work in, and I think a lot of artists in their times of crisis, like after his mother died, you get Mm -hmm. beautiful, dark, twisted fantasy. Like you get his best work when he is emotionally fragile. And so like, you know, Adele, her best stuff coming after big breakups, you know, 21 came after this life-changing breakup. Are we gonna get something similar? Like is his kind of re-emergence or, you know, next career pivot his next kind of phase of his art, is that gonna be really influenced by this? And I think it could be some really like interesting music that comes out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I think you're totally right. Like he's never moving on from this. No. <laughs> like how, how can you?
0: How could you? I mean, and I don't know where she's going from here either because dating Pete Davidson is about as high profile, a boyfriend as you can like collect these days. But I don't know where she goes past here. Like she'd have to date like Leonardo DiCaprio.
1: I mean, and she's what, 40 years
0: too old? Yeah, he's 15. (laughs) She's she's out out of the window right now. So, (laughs) But anyway, I think we need to move on to the next topic, which is something I just learned about today. The Netflix reality TV show Hype House. Does the governor need to be called? Do you Um, know what this is?
1: No, I mean, okay. probably based off of my facial expressions, no, terrible name, so maybe, but yeah, I don't know what this is.
0: So I, I'm, you're, I think a little bit more plugged into TikTok than I am. And we're, we'll talk about that a little bit later in the emergency, but apparently there's a full Netflix reality show about like some, some like, TikTok people I've actually heard of from one of those. Posting houses or whatever, like content oh, houses, like the hype
1: houses.
0: Yeah, it's called hype house. It's about oh, hype house, so it's like.
1: Okay. It's um. So,
0: here.
1: I mean, I that's fascinating, and of it's like you know to be expected. Of course, Netflix is going to want to like capitalize on this because TikTok is where Gen Z is, and you know yeah. TikTok was more visited than Google in 2021. Like, there people are spending so much time on it, and. But I I, like what story could they possibly tell that we don't know already? Like, you know, young people are feeling the, you know, the pains and perils of fame while they like, you know, grow exponentially. Like, I I just don't know what story there's gonna be there beyond the traditional one.
0: From what I can gather from like the two reviews I read, it's mostly about these like late teens, early 20s people trying to translate. TikTok success, which mm-hmm. for like these big accounts is usually just doing like the little dances and stuff <laughs> into something that requires, and I'm using their words, not mine. I'm not trying to be snarky, actual talent, mm. which is like, that's hard to do. I don't think we've seen the TikTok person really like translate into broader success quite yet.
1: And I think like, I mean, it's an interesting question because we're just obviously talking about the Kardashians. Like they made a blueprint for not having any inherent quote unquote talent and become, you know, staying culturally relevant for two decades. Yeah. Like, is there a way that you can? And I think if you're on TikTok, you don't have to have talent necessarily to be really big. You have to, you know, have certain bone structure often. And yeah. is there a way that they can? yeah, stay relevant without developing talent. Or like if you're going to progress and have a longer career, especially like in inter- entertainment, do you have to develop something? Like, do you have to translate what you're doing on this tiny little mobile form into something that's larger and more
0: marketable? Exactly. And a lot of this stuff there, I mean, beyond just the dancing, like if you're doing sort of more interpersonal content, it's usually like just lip syncing to other people's like jokes or like doing funny faces or you're showcasing relationship drama predicated entirely on other creators yeah so you just like you see these avatars without actually knowing like who's behind it and I I just watched I I had to go get my tires repaired like last month (laughs) and of course because I was sitting for five hours basically I watched on the TV in the office, a ton of keeping up with the Kardashians. They were just doing Mm. some marathon on E! And it's really easy to forget that even if the Kardashians don't necessarily have like artistic talents per se, Mm. they are very charismatic people. And you can see why like they've, they're they're fascinating figures like just on a personal level in a way that like Charlie D'Amelio or like Nikita Dragon probably is not, you know? (laughs)
1: Yeah. And I, I think, um, whereas like YouTube stars in order to keep people watching for half an hour or an hour to some of these longer, like makeup tutorials or something, you have to have a level of charisma yeah. with TikTok, you're under three minutes. Like you really, you know that, and that's the longest end. You can have these really bite-sized consumable things with no net like necessary charisma attached to it. And I think that's a really, interesting observation of like the difference between the Kardashians and how they were able to sustain relevancy versus like these younger TikTok stars, which are sustaining relevancy for 20 seconds up to a time, ton- you know, uh, at any one moment. And I kind of think it's going to be really hard for them, you know, yeah. to try to my- migrate off of TikTok. Like, how do you even do that? Where do you go from there? Like, what's the equivalent
0: platform? I don't you know? know. Like, there's definitely no other platform that they can at least in terms of like apps and social media like there's nowhere else to go like they're at the apex right now but i mean we've seen like addison ray try to do movies and music to like mix success
1: and And didn't dixie try like a little music career as well Yeah, she's
0: still doing it too i mean she's the songs are not there with dixie (laughs) (laughs) to me at least but the the addison um the next Addison Ray single that she's been teasing on TikTok for a long time was co-written by Charlie XCX, who I stand and love, like my number <laughs> one. And, sh- and the snippets sound really catchy and good, actually. So okay. if all it takes is like one single to get the gaze on board. Honestly, we're easy <laughs> like that. <laughs> so if, if she, she could do it, I think with a little yeah. bit of quality, she could do it, but add I think it, that's Charlie, not easily. Yeah,
1: like add some Max Martin. Like it can't be that bad, no. you know, like, you, you know, Dixie or you sub in Dixie for Selena versus Demi, you know, you can put anybody in there. It's going to be a fine song probably. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm excited to hear it. Excited to go dancing to it. Yeah, me
0: too. (laughs) Let's like release the song. It's time. (laughs) She's been teasing it for four months now. So, all right. Last topic for this game. Rooney Mara Mara Mm -hmm. is playing Audrey Hepburn in a biopic. Does the governor need to be called?
1: Yeah, because there are going to be some white girls with coronaries. Like, (laughs) Oh my gosh, an Audrey Hepburn biopic! Like, how many? And I, you know, I am maybe a, a previous horse girl, a current horse girl, whatever. Certainly fall into the basic category in some ways. But like, there are a lot of girls with some Audrey Hepburn posters, like in yeah. their love rooms, who are excited about this. Interesting, because I feel like Rooney's a bit edgier. Um, yeah. Then I would kind of pick for a, an Audrey biopic, but yeah, I mean, I, I can't say I'm like excited to go see it just because I think biopics in general are kind of weird sometimes. Um, but I think it's going to be like an event for, you know, the millennial white women out there.
0: Absolutely. I, I think it's going to have the same vibe as the Kristen Stewart, Princess Diana movie that came out, (laughs) which I haven't seen yet. So I can't speak to like the quality But I know that that movie is sort of a deconstructed biopic almost, where it's not just like, you know, the boring, like bohemian rhapsody, like, I was born, I sang, I died, like, right. kind of structure. There's, they're, they're doing like weird, like dream like twists and stuff, I think, to like mm-hmm. make it a little bit more abstract and not just you know conventional like we know the story or whatever right so that could be good and it's directed by the guy who did call me by your name which I really enjoyed
1: Loved that movie. I saw that on an airplane. And you know when you like watch a movie on an airplane and all of your inhibitions just kind of drop away and yeah. you're like sitting there and crying next to a random man. Yep. That's what happened <laughs> to me when I saw Call Me By Your Name. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's really interesting how there is, like there have been a bunch of biopics about Princess Diana, Jackie Kennedy, Marilyn Monroe, now Audrey Hepburn seems like the natural, you know, next step. All of these, I'm not sure why culture has decided that we need to revisit all these women and make biopics about all of them. Mm-hmm you know, but, I, but I, I'm glad that they're taking a slightly fresher take hopefully on it. Um, and I think Rooney's an interesting enough and, and she's a, she's a great actress. So yeah. I think if anybody can make it really interesting. I think she can.
0: She, she definitely is talented. And I think she has the look down too, which is not mm-hmm. necessarily needed. I think to, for biopics, like, I don't think Kristen Stewart looks anything like princess Diana or like, Natalie Portman definitely doesn't look like Jackie <laughs> Kennedy, but like they, like, I think like, as long as you can get the vibe and the, like the essence, right? Like that's, yeah, that's what counts. So I did see a blind item. There was a blind item over break that was rumbling around about in like two unvaccinated actresses that are apparently causing Hollywood to really, like put up their guards because of like just the publicity like fear of like a publicity fiasco and like just getting COVID
1: okay.
0: and allegedly 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 the two actresses are Rooney Mara, Mara and um Carrie Ann Moss like from The Matrix Oh, yeah. very
1: similar looks. I don't mm-hmm. love that. I mean, yeah, that's it's a really bad look at this you know yeah. in this day and age. um you know, can uh, allegedly that would be terrible like yeah. I you know,
0: I kind of believe it like they are believe very, it. <laughs> you know, like they, they are very like wellnessy people, um, and I know that she and Joaquin Phoenix, her, I don't think they're actually married, but they at least have a kid. They were always spotted at the Monty's Good Burger that I used to live down Sunset from in Silver Lake, which for people who, um, who have not, or do not live in LA, um, Monty's Good Burger is like a very well-known like vegan burger chain. Um, so I don't I know, mean, I can see LA, it.
1: I can, I can definitely see it. Yeah. I think, I was, I can't remember who I was talking to about this, but they are like, isn't LA like so vaxxed? And I'm sure it is, you know, proportion wise, it is obviously a very democratic progressive area, but there are so many mommy bloggers yeah. and wellness icons and, you know, juice, cleansing people who do not want the vax, you know, and, and don't want to get the vaccination. Exactly.
0: Those and were the OG anti-vaxxers exactly. basically. Like it's, it's, it's easy to forget that it's really only within the past five years that anti-vax not to like take it to this place on this podcast (laughs) but like it's only been within the past few years that like it's become this politicized an issue across party lines like before like anti-vax stuff was really like I mean Gwyneth is vaxxed, I'm pretty sure but like they're like they're like goopy type people and like
1: Totally. Law and foods I mean, people. the big, like, yeah, again, not to, not to go way too into it on, on this podcast, but like the big thing during our age, like when we were growing up was Gardasil, like yeah. that was, that was the big cultural thing. And that was a lot of, yeah, wellness people. It wasn't cut across party lines at all. It was like people who don't want to fill their kids up with, you know, unnecessary vaccines, don't want to encourage sex, all that sort of stuff and now, of course, it's, like, much more, yeah, politicized, but these women built out the template, like, you know, all, all the QAnon people
0: yeah. are just the li- following. That the literature, <laughs> if you will, was written by, like, baked by yeah. Wendy or whatever, like, the, like they're, they're, they're not, um, like, the, the foundational texts are from, like, Tumblr and, like, Pinterest boards, you know, it's, not, yeah. it's it's, they, they, they walk so like the Republican party could jump, which is tough to say. And on that note, I think we need to take a quick break um, and we will be right back. And we are back. Let's move on to this episode's cultural emergency. Grace, what are you rushing to the ER today?
1: I am, I'll just say I'm a reluctant ER person to this. Like I did not want to have to go to the ER for this, but we need to talk about it because it has become a cultural emergency and that is the metaverse. So I want to talk about it, unpack it with you, you figure out, is this the future of the internet? Is this going to change humanity? Is this just a passing fad? What do we think about it?
0: So when did you first, when did it come into your consciousness?
1: Well, I think so. I worked in marketing and in media in Los Angeles before moving to Chicago. And because I think of all of the opportunities for advertising and marketing, this has been like kind of on the wish list of advertisers and people who like want to sell you stuff for a long time. So AR and VR has kind of been, you know, really going around since I think Google announced it in 2014, those were kind of the initial rumblings of it. I would say it's only until this past year when Facebook is, you know, really going all in spending billions and billions of dollars that that it's become so much more of like a necessary discussion beyond industry specific and more like this actually will impact on many people's lives.
0: Yeah. I think it's such an, it is an interesting concept that I think a lot of people have derided as just being like, Oh, it's just the Sims. Like, what are we going to do with all of this? But like, it's, I, th- I I'm glad that your marketing perspective is in this discussion because it really is going to be a total game changer in how we really engage with day-to-day materialism.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, I don't want to go to, you know, hate Ashbury like hippy dippy on it, but I do think the idea and the plan from all of these tech companies is to make it incredibly integrated into our everyday lives. And yeah. so that, you know, of course we're on our devices and we're on our phones all the time, that that becomes even more seamless. And the data that I, you know, if I'm a marketer, the data that I have on you is not just, what you're buying, but at the end of the day, you know, what you're thinking about the things that you look at longer, you know, tracking your movements, all that sort of stuff. Like that is such a gold mine for advertisers and for people who want to buy and use that data for either good or bad purposes that, you know, and I think one of the things that I've been thinking about so much with relation to this is, You know, Facebook obviously has created a lot of problems and, you know, has changed our society in many ways, not for the better. And they seem like they're kind of not working on that. They're just doing like the next phase, the next innovation. And I feel like all those problems are only going to get magnified when you introduce the
0: metaverse to it. There, yes, I I definitely agree with that. Like, I think especially as... Facebook own apps stand right now, they have become increasingly clunky in how they present mm. ads and products to you. Like if you, uh, this is anecdotal, but like, I'm sure I'm not alone in this. Like my Instagram feed has become borderline unusable <laughs> on my phone recently because every, every other post
1: mm. is an
0: ad for something or a, recommended account or whatever that's usually like does like paid partnerships with like a variety of like different companies and stuff like it's not I can't actually see what I want to see these days which is my friends who I'm trying to like just like like photos and stuff and comment photos and even like in Facebook I mean I barely use Facebook these days but even that like every other post is like a banner ad for something like right. I can see how the metaverse is going to streamline that process and make like the VR products just more seamlessly just like present like in the background of things but like I mean you can obviously go look and see like what all these things are not like
1: yeah. And I, you know, it's funny that you bring up the Sims because I, I recently had COVID along with everyone else. Um, and I played the Sims during a period of my COVID cause I was like bored for en- days on end and they have all these product integrations now inside the Sims. They have Balenciaga did like, uh, like within yeah. the Sims, they do outfits and stuff. And obviously that's a more game video game like example, but you can see how it really translates to the metaverse. Like how, if you are, you know, quote unquote, grocery shopping in the metaverse, which is such a funny concept to me, but that all of these products and everything are just going to be around you. And you're just going to be experiencing them, not as you would a grocery store, but depending on who the highest bidder is. And I think that, you know, it's, It's really going to change the way that advertisers, but also I think, you know, how we're going to have to regulate it. I don't know. I I think that there's, there's a really interesting kind of like what happens next and what needs to happen before this kind of takes over everything.
0: It's it's also tough to forecast what this is going to do to the social aspects of social media too, because I think, Mm -hmm. I mean, Every app right now is sort of a different like curatorial experience within the social Mm -hmm. sphere. Like Facebook is obviously like, I guess you can do groups with it, but that's mostly just for like, you know, people you actually know. Instagram is, you're not really interacting with people beyond likes and stuff, but like Mm -hmm. that's mostly people you already know, or like just like trying to curate your own like aesthetic experience out of other people's accounts who you don't know. And then Twitter feels, like, more of, like, a community building, even though that's outside the Facebook sphere or whatever, but, like, that feels, like, the closest to what the metaverse's social scene could mm. be to me, like, this kind of, like, open-world concept where everyone is just spewing ideas into the ether. Yeah. And, like, tastes and, like, visualizations and stuff
1: yeah. into the and abyss. I- I think that's so, yeah, I think that's just so on point because yeah, all these other apps have kind of created little worlds for themselves or like, they've kind of become a part of our lives in very specific ways. You know, I get my news on Twitter. I get my birthdays, I guess on Facebook, I get my, you know, aspirational living maybe on Pinterest or Instagram. And the metaverse, at least how it's being marketed right now is like, it's essentially real life. Like it's just real life, but virtual. And I think, and maybe, you know, along with the kind of nihilism that's pretty, you know, ever present, it seems these days, like as real life gets crazier and crazier, like is the metaverse where we're going to be kind of you know able to escape like is that yeah. where we can go skiing where you know snow will be where we can experience you know nature if some of this stuff eventually goes away and you know i think that's the main undercurrent of what a lot of people have been talking about with the metaverse is like it is this yes it is kind of a new platform but it's also this huge escapist thing like yeah. take you out of your reality go someplace else and become immersed in it. So you don't have to think about what your life is outside in the actual day-to-day life.
0: Which is bleak. <laughs> like a little bleak. <laughs> I mean, not a lot of bleak. Like, I mean, and that's that's, you know, our society is crumbling for sure. But like I do um there is something very like sci- sci-fi, not to be reductive about mm-hmm. it, about like, as, like just living in this like digital, digitized world where Uh i'm sure like the same sort of structural parallels as real life are going to be like imposed on like i mean going back to your like balenciaga example like that stuff's not free within that's not going to be free (laughs) within the metaverse you're going to be paying money to like dress your avatar or whatever up in like clothes that you're spending money on for a game character which i guess happens in in, like, other, like, little app games and stuff, too. Like, I play yeah. Pokemon Go, which is, like, not a great one-to-one Or, like, comparison. even
1: FarmVille or, yeah. you know, the, the Kardashian, you know, people real money on this stuff. Yeah. And, you know, to bring it briefly, because, you know, I don't know that NFTs are, like, the best thing to talk about. Um, But it's the same thing. I think that there's an idea you know, why would you ever spend X number of dollars on a picture of a monkey? And it's, you know, people spend money on digital things all the time, you know, money, you know, on little avatars or games that aren't tangible, right? Like you can't actually hold a picture of whatever you're buying, but it's a signifier in that particular world. Like if you are in a community of tech bros, having one of these pictures of a monkey is a signifier. Like I can spend money on this. You know, you're broadcasting that. And I think that the metaverse is going to be that, but for every other aspect of your life as well.
0: Yeah. I think where the NFT and the crypto conversation, like the promise of that conversation is the translation of those tokens
1: in Mm -hmm. like
0: where you're spending real world money on. You get in a success story, you get a ton of real world money in return like in a a success story like not a lot of people are not doing that like I saw like there's some horror story I guess that was going around Twitter over break about some guy who lost three NFTs I think which was apparently the real life equivalent of $30,000 which I was like oh (laughs) Okay. Like, I know this, that it would be upsetting for me too, but like, did you, I'm like, did you sink (laughs) 30,000 real world dollars into this or like, what's going on here?
1: At the end of the day, like, it's such a funny conversation whenever I talk to people who are really into the NFT token world, where it's like, you just end up making Right? Like you invest $30,000 and you get $40,000 back when you sell that. And it's like, do we not see any correlation here to the Ponzi scheme? Right? Like that money is not just like coming out of nowhere. right? Right? I don't want to say it's a direct correlation. However,
0: no, but, it, but there is like a house like, of cards to it. There's like, going to be a
1: loser there, right? Yeah. Like there's going to be someone at the end of the airplane game who cannot, you know, recruit somebody to buy the picture of monkey that they exactly. got for $40,000. Like there's going to be people who are end up holding the bag. It's not just money can be created forever. Like, it's the, just delusional.
0: Yeah. The promise of gains is mm-hmm. what keeps people coming back. And I'm going to be uh, interested to see in the metaverse, what a like quote unquote success story is going to look like, (laughs) like what the gains are going to look like, because I've seen, I think this is a really interesting platform and I'm really excited to see how it gets rolled out. But I think like, at least in my corner of the internet, I've seen a lot of skepticism towards the idea and like, how is this going to actually draw people in like what's going to incentivize people Mm. to participate in this and i'm going to be that'll be
1: yeah and i i think you know once you you're always in any tech platform you're going to have the early adopters we're seeing that now yeah but you know i think and one, one of the reasons why i wanted to talk with you about it today is because you know the biggest technology conference of you know the world, the US CES is going on right now, right. and so many of these companies, companies that you think uh, did they have any business being in the metaverse or like what are they possibly going to do with the metaverse, are trying to build out their own either platforms or parts of platforms yep. right now, and everyone is now trying to get into the game, and I think, you know, over the past couple of years really slow momentum. And now we're finally seeing that exponential pickup of people. But again, at the, at the end of the day, it's like, what value add is this bringing to my life? Like, yeah, is it because I can interact with my coworkers on a better or slightly different level than I can with Zoom? Is it I can go to a city that I would never be able to go to in real life through the metaverse? Like yeah. what is going to get people, everyday people on board?
0: I think the best way to sell it to consumers because it sounds like the corporations are all buying in. That's yeah. half the battle right there. But like the more imp- arguably the more important part is getting the consumers to buy in. And I think selling them the idea that they this is the most unfiltered curatorial experience they've ever mm-hmm. had is going to be the main selling point in both like how how much access you have to like brands like sightseeing like escapist yeah. activities within this sphere and also the chance to fully express yourself perfectly in the way you want to which yeah. people like people are trying to do that people have tried to do that with like Instagram and Pinterest to start and especially I think in that that is like a visual uh, usually a visual approximation of what you want to show to the world.
1: Right.
0: But in the metaverse, like the possibilities are such, so much more expansive almost, and how you can kind of like idealize yourself and your outward presentation.
1: 100%. And I think just to bring back up something that you brought up earlier, which I think is such an interesting question of like, what are the power, like, how are power imbalances that exist within the real world, like, how are Those interpersonal, you know, differences going to play out in the metaverse? Like if you have less real, you know, fewer real dollars to spend in the metaverse, are you going to be unable to access some of those sites? Are you going to be unable to get into the coolest virtual club? Like, are there going to be, you know, either racial or socioeconomic, or, you know, are there going to be discriminatory patterns that we see within the real world that also are now translating to the metaverse? And I think the idea, like tech platforms are always. This is a more equal opportunity area, right? Like everyone has access to this at some point, presumably, but you know, how, how are you going to make sure that some of the things that we see right now that are terrible society ills are not just the exact same in the metaverse Yeah. and how, like, how are we going to be presenting ourselves in that capacity? You know, if we're trying to put on the best version of ourselves, you know how are we making things worse?
0: and yeah, especially like, I mean, this is maybe a superficial analysis, but like you definitely would expect a lot of people to catfish
1: right to extent, like if
0: you're giving there are dating
1: apps that are now like trying to get in on on the metaverse game. yeah, right like your little avatar and you would have to imagine that there is you know, not to typecast, but some 75 year old man who's like, I could get on here and talk to some, you know, virtually meet some really interesting, pretty young people. You know, how do you, how do you enforce any of this stuff? Like no one's thought it out. It doesn't seem like, and I think that the technology is going full steam ahead. And I think companies are getting on board Yeah, starting to, and yet there doesn't seem to be a lot of attention being paid to the other end of it like how are we going to make sure any of this stuff is not bad
0: yeah and uh, as two people who are both very interested in like tech policy and regulatory Mm -hmm. policy like (laughs) it's a little frightening (laughs) to think about like how how completely lawless this is going to be at first (laughs) without like massive codification
1: yeah i mean like as somebody who is in the advertising industry and just saw like the absolute wild west of data practice, you know, and no shade on my company, my company was great and incredibly ethical, but the amount of data that is available should not be legal, right? Like the stuff that is currently happening in this industry is, is not ethical. And it's just how, you know, it's just the fact that there aren't any laws, like there's no regulation on any of this stuff. So you're at a loss if you don't do it. And I think that this, yeah, you just absolutely said it, like the the metaverse is just going to be a bit of a free for all in that respect, I think. Yeah.
0: And to be fair, like a lot of platforms are like that at first before they sort of set up guidelines or like crack down on issues. Like, I mean, I remember Reddit has a reputation for being pretty pretty much a free-for-all right now too in a lot of ways but like back in the day like 10 years ago it was like 4chan levels of like complete completely unregulated like just like rampant like bullying and like emotional terrorism and hate speech and like all this shit like it's and now it's a lot different Mm. still like it's gonna have the same problems that any like forum where people can just like spew whatever they want
1: yeah. is gonna
0: be. But like it, all of these, um, I mean, all of this platform development requires such a steep learning curve. Mm. And, but the I mean, the metaverse, just like the, the premise of it, like you're, it's gonna, you both need to like figure out what works and what doesn't work and implement it in a very short time period. Right. Because and when
1: you have like up there, you know, during these congressional hearings asking, what is a Finsta like, you know, in yeah. 2021, like, tell me about what Finstagram is. Um, you know, you, you can't really hope for it on the government end, you know, no. like, I, I think that you definitely it's going to be so far behind which basically leaves it up to the tech companies to try to regulate themselves. I don't have a ton of faith in that. Um, I mean, Twitter just banned Marjorie Taylor Greene from Twitter right this past week. And like, that's one of the highest profile bannings that they've had. There have been plenty of other people that have said equally bad things. And it feels like they're almost trying to play catch up a little bit, but yeah, and I I think that it's I mean, gonna be a very short turnaround and it's just not gonna happen on the government, unfortunately.
0: No, definitely not. And I I think one of like one of the few hopes for this sort of platform is that it might be just because it is a sort of a confusing concept, it might be inherently exclusionary to like <laughs>
1: I cannot older see people my dad. Or like,
0: people. like, yeah,
1: one hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, I can't remember who was talking about this. It's like all work meetings will be on the metaverse in twenty twenty five, and it's like really, you know, you think you're going to get a bunch of older people who are barely figuring yeah. out Slack? Like, exactly, yeah, exactly. I, I, every company I've
0: ever worked for has had an issue with Slack. Like, I cannot imagine. <laughs> No, like the, the Goldman Sachs is not going to go to the metaverse, like <laughs> no way. But I, um, it, like part of the problem that like Facebook got so toxic eventually, is because it is pretty easy and accessible for people of all ages and like tech literacy to engage with. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason that misinformation got so rampant on that platform is just because there are a lot of susceptible people on there. Like right. I don't I don't want to sound elitist when I say this, but I do think the metaverse has a barrier to entry. Like you have to be a certain level of tech literate to actually get a lot.
1: And you have to have $300 to spend on the, you know, headset right now. Yeah. Like even just to get into the kind of the initial metaverse, absolutely. You have to be tech, have some substantial money and a reason to go on the platform. And if you're not super versed in these you know things, why would you? Like, yeah. If you don't have friends or anything on there, why would you go on these platforms? So in that sense, I think back to your earlier question, Like, I think it's going to be a little while before there's a real value for the everyday consumer to try to seek out the metaverse yeah. and for companies to be like, we're migrating here um beyond maybe, you know, the the kind of expected tech ones. Yeah. So maybe that's a hopeful thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I like, I mean, we kind of everything else feels so apocalyptic right now. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, I like you gotta just be a little glass half full with some of this. Like yeah. no, it exactly. doesn't it's so easy to just like fall into nihilism right now and I'm like okay like I, I I'm just it's gonna be a little sinister it's gonna be a little weird but like yes I would love to go to Bali I would love to like go to like vir- a virtual simulation of Bali like let me let me do it and I'll wear my I'll wear my $400 Balenciaga like puddle boots or whatever Or no that's Veneta, but whatever like I'll wear my like fancy shoes there so
1: my Crocs yeah yeah <laughs>
0: Well, I think we have to move on to our final segment. So we're going to play tear the community apart. Sounds scary. Not too scary. The (laughs) rules are pretty simple here. I have picked two songs and you're going to tell me which one is better. Great. So this is a pretty tough one. I think both of these songs hit number one in 2021. Two of the highest performing ballads of the year from two generations of pop stars let's say okay which song is better driver's license by olivia rodrigo or all too well taylor's version by taylor swift
1: drew why would you do this to me like (laughs) this is a hate crime to make
0: it it, it (laughs) is it is positively terroristic that i've done this but this
1: is uh, this this is mean oh my i (sighs) wait okay did you say all too well Taylor's version specifically? Taylor's
0: version specifically.
1: All right. This is such a, such a bad thing that I'm about to say. I like Taylor's original music better. Um, I'm glad you're giving me the thumbs up. up. Um, (laughs) (laughs) thank you. Um, I will just say there's something about listening to an artist record it when they are in the feelings about it. She's not still thinking about Jake Gyllenhaal, Mm -mm. right? But when she recorded that original All Too Well, you like hear it in her voice. You hear the pain. You hear the sadness. I feel like some of the emotion has been a little stripped out of it. And so, I mean, Driver's License, absolutely. Like probably one of my favorite songs of the year. She, Olivia Rodrigo, talk by a TikTok star, incredible, you know, both, yeah. <laughs> like, for the younger, and I think both of these artists have kind of resisted the, like, bend into the emo 80s kind of nihilism trait that's, like, happening within a lot of music, and I think that both of these are just, like, classic great pop songs, but I'm have to go with Driver's License.
0: I... I agree with everything you've said today. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, I do like the, um, I do find value in the re-recordings of the Taylor songs for sure. Yeah. But I can't really think of a, like a Taylor's version song that I would mm-hmm. revisit over the original one. Same, like especially yeah. on Red. A lot of like the poppier leaning ones with like the product like where the production's like Cynthia, right. it just doesn't. They just don't sound quite right. Yeah. On the re record, but yeah. I do like the she's doing all these um like the new songs from the vault though. Like the I don't yes. remember. I can't remember. Message what Message in a bottle. Yeah, great. Yes. The one great with song. um Phoebe Bridgers, whose name oh. I cannot remember. I love that one. Yeah. Um, and, like, a lot of the reinterpretations are good. Like, I love the 10-minute version of All Too Well. Yeah. But, like, you're absolutely right that the emotion, it's, like, a facsimile of, like,
1: yes, what she was 100%. feeling. Yeah, and, I mean, again, not to say that I did not cry when I listened to All Too Well. Well, watching the music video with both of my roommates, all three of us sitting on a couch sobbing, that happened. However, I would say, yeah, the original version's I don't want to give my Spotify dollars and like voting currency on Spotify to Scooter Braun, but like, I, mm-hmm. Say you know, that. I <laughs> like, <laughs> saying all that, but I, yeah, I'll, I think I'm always going to be an original, an OG Taylor Stan rather than a, a newer one.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I, she's made great new music in the past too, between like <laughs> folklore, especially I love. Yes. Um, and I think this is a cool project with a great reason to do it behind it. But
1: yeah. Yeah. And I before, mean it's... like honestly, before folklore and before what was Evermore, I guess, I was like, maybe she's kind of seen her sunset. Like she'll be a big touring artist, but like, you know, maybe she's seen like her her, her the apex of her career. Yeah. I didn't know that she had this whole other side to her that was gonna be able to come out with you know, really stripped down and much more narrative and I I think that she made such a great career pivot there and I understand why obviously from a pretty cynical perspective she's doing all this re-recording like so that she's pocketing and owning her music yeah today um and I yeah I totally get it I would do it if if I were her probably
0: absolutely like it's it is a little cynical but at the same time it's like this is my intellectual yeah. property this this is my work why shouldn't I be able to make money off of it
1: yeah it's coming as a lot of big artists are actually selling all of their you know all of mm-hmm. their uh recordings to big studios and and all of their music so I think it's like an interesting thing that she's doing that is kind of against the grain of other artists yeah um, who are kind of capping out at the end of the day um no shade to that but yeah I think what she's doing good for her i'm gonna listen to the originals
0: yeah on the other side of the coin where do you think olivia rodrigo goes from here because sour is such a great album and i think it's probably like the defining mainstream album of 2021
1: i can't think of one that is bigger quite honestly definitely
0: it would be you'd be hard pressed to come up with another one i think and but I don't know where stylistically she's going to go from here. Cause I think by the time she records another album, the pop punk is going to be out the door. Like the folky, like Phoebe everyone, like all the pop girlies are doing like Phoebe Bridgers and like Claro stuff right now. And I think that's not going to be trendy. So,
1: yeah, I mean the pop punk thing, I think it's really interesting. Those first like initial, like guitar chords on the first album, brutal. It's just mm-hmm. like, it was kind of jarring to listen to because it's not something that you really hear on the radio. Like, I yeah. think she really mainstreamed pop punk in a way. And I think, I don't know if like the culture's ready for that. You know, I kind of, the weekend just kind of released a new album and I think his sadness, you know, emo boy rock. Like, I think that's more here to stay than her sound is.
0: I agree. Um, especially because like the initial wave of pop punk was so rude in like early mid 2000s culture. Like mm-hmm. it is sort of, I mean, it's a dated sound in the same way that The weekend is using like 80s, like new wave music. Right. But there's something about that that feels a little bit more timeless almost than like,
1: and I think we're in an 80s yeah. moment, honestly. Yeah. Like I think fashion, like you're getting chunky gold hoops. You're getting oversized blazers. Like fashion is 80s yeah. moment. Interior design, we're leaving the Scandinavian like white everything open floor plan to go to back to a maximal, you know, maximalist. That's even yeah. a word, like velour sort of look and a bunch of textures and colors. And I think that that is, I think that seems more, the f- the feeling of right now than the early 2000s 90s does um in terms of like I would say music fashion interior design I think totally. we're in a moment so.
0: totally and I mean thing you know things could change obviously but like I I don't see Olivia Rodrigo doing like a like an 80s pop album no. I don't know how
1: I mean, she's also so much younger, younger too, though. I, she's young. And I just,
0: yeah.
1: I i worry with any girl that age, um, like what the industry does <laughs> to yeah. them. Like, granted, things are better than the 2000s for, for women in Hollywood, but they're not that much better. Like, yeah. it's still a really, really hard industry. And when you're a young person that is that profitable and you know, so many people are invested in your success. Like it's hard to kind of retain a sense of individuality and to stick to what you want to write and what, you know, versus someone telling you, here's what's going to sell.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, yeah. And it's just the reference points are going to be different too, like between all of these, like, I'm saying generations, but, you know, like a decade in pop music years right. is like 20 Years and like age between pop stars proper like you just it's just a very different like like I mean Olivia Rodrigo's first exposure to like eighties or eighties inspired music beyond probably like what her parents were playing was like the weekend or like someone or Gaga yeah like doing some some sort of like eighties inspired thing not even like the real deal so I don't know it's it's a copy of a copy
1: yeah no I think that's. Totally. A hundred percent. Like, how can you really write an eighties thing when you're not even close to that decade? Yeah. Yeah. Like,
0: I mean, Taylor was born in 1989, but well, obviously we all know that we all know this, <laughs> but all know. Like, not, like her dabbling with 80, like eighties pop feels pretty authentic because mm-hmm. even if she was born, like right as the decade was ending, she's, um, like, she's getting like the tailwinds of it, like right. growing up, like all that's that what her stuff is, are
1: listening to. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. And all
0: that stuff's still knocking around the radio. Like right. say like like if you're like 8 years old in 1997.
1: Yeah. That's and her parents, parents were not listening to Nirvana. Like they were yeah. probably listening to Jimmy Buffett or you know whoever else. Or, or yeah, like,
0: or like Aha or like stuff like this like <laughs> a song, like think yeah. about like what came out 8 8 years ago from 2022 was like Chain Smokers and oh, um talk dirty by Jason Derulo is from 2014. (laughs) Like, that's the kind of like, that's the perspective we're working with. Like It's just different. I don't know. It's time is relative. At the end of the day, this podcast is about how time is relative and like (laughs) everyone knows different things. So, Um, all right. Well, I think we have to wrap up, but Grace, thank you so much for being here today. This was a delight and also way more informative. I think genuinely than like some of these episodes can be
1: fun. I had such a great time talking to you about this. I feel like we talk about this stuff like off podcast too. Yeah, I'm happy to be able to talk about it with you on podcast as well.
0: So if you would like to be found on social media, where can people find you?
1: Um, I have a Twitter that's pretty rogue, but people can find me at Smoothie King, like store Smoothie King, but with two eyes.
0: Right. Awesome. Um, you can find me on Twitter at FK pigs with a Z on Instagram at drew haskins with c's, And if you would like to follow the podcast, we have social media feeds now at crisis twink pod on Twitter and Instagram. So definitely go follow that please. Um, and rate and review on Apple podcasts and Spotify. Cause that's also very helpful. Um, all right. Well, until next time, bye everyone.